and welcome to another All Japan Women Destiny podcast. Quick turnaround here. It is episode 38. And on this episode, we have the beginning stages of the Aja Kong two and a half year push to get her into the main event and to be 3WA champion, defeating, well, at this point in time, the freshly newly crowned 3WA champion, Bull Nakano. Imagine a two-and-a-half-year storyline that involved a single champion and a single challenger that could viably defeat one another. That is crazy, and on this show, I have decided <laughs> that this is this war those beginning stages because we have Aja Kong in a kickboxing match against Medusa Maselli from May 1990. And the kickboxing matches in All Japan Women uh, during during these ages uh, were horrible and not good, uh, especially the Bat Yoshinaga one. And we have, of course, one on this episode of the Classics. And this Classics, it goes from March 18th all the way to the May 13th uh, with an April show in between that uh, I was able to get or at least uh, a main match on there, which has uh, sig- uh, historical significance. So I am JD. I do the Red Leaf Retro cast, where we do a lot of Joshi talk, a lot of women's wrestling talk, uh, DDT, Dragon Gate, New Japan, you name it, uh, AEW, and we have the Retro section, which is one of my more proud things, where we have All Japan Women here, where we're currently uh, in the middle of 1992, Hopefully in time, we'll catch up with this podcast feed. And the New Japan through the 90s, which I'm entering 1997, I believe. And (laughs) the WCW Nitro Death Years, post-97. So very fun stuff. If you enjoy what you hear on this podcast, consider joining the Patreon, patreon.com slash redleafretrocast, one word where you'll have access to the Joshi 2010's journey. That is a journey through the Joshi years, coming out of the Dark Ages to the modern age, where we see stardom (laughs) rising out of said darkness, uh, while others continue to uh, lag behind. I do LLPW reviews, uh, one of the competitors of All Japan Women during the peak years of the 90s. And my co-host Kay does JD Star Reviews, a... Very interesting Joshi company, uh, and he starts. He started in the early 2000s with a new ownership group that really changed uh, perspective on what a women's wrestling company could and would do for marketing, booking, etc. The card on this All Japan Women Classics episode, March 18th, 1990, we have Bull Nakano teaming with Bison Kimura, and in hindsight, and watching these again, Bison Kimura is one of my favorites of all time. She is a brick house. She hits hard. She's a little submission heavy, but with uh, obviously, of course, with if you listen to this, with the retirement of Yumi Ogura, got to pick a new one, and it's definitely Bison Kimura. Uh, she's she's just that perfect support character, and the these two are facing uh, the Fire Jets is Yumiko Hota and Mitsuki Nishiwaki. And 
This is really coming off of that Nishiwaki Bull Nakano 3WA title match from January. And that reminds me, uh, there's no February show that I am aware of. I'm sure they ran fe- February shows, obviously, but uh, one thing that... No, that's a 1970 card. Ignore that. Yeah, no uh, no February show to my, to my knowledge, uh, though it's just easily uh, not in Cage Match, not in a couple other sites that I use. Uh, the other, there was a 3WA tag title match on the line here. It's the Marine Wolves versus the Mint Showers from this March 18th, 1990 show. And the uh, Mint Showers is the team of Etsuko Mita and Manami Toyota. And weirdly enough, Manami Toyota is really getting highlighted uh, as we start 1990 here. She's getting title matches. She's getting a small push. She's getting main event spots along with Etskomita. Uh, they're really trying to find a hot new tag team to go along with Marine Wolves and Fire Jets. You got to have more than one team. And Gokumonto is the big heel group. So who are the others? And uh, this Akira Hokuto Suzuka Minami two out of three falls match against Toyota and Mita. Uh, it only goes 15 minutes. Doesn't go very long. Uh, the better the wrestlers get, the longer they like them to go, fill out cards, and the matches just are better. Uh, sold out Cork and Hall on this show, but what's funny is also on this card, in the middle, a uh, three-match card according to Cage Match, I'm pretty sure there'd be a couple more matches on there, but it is Medusa Maselli teaming with Norio Tateno, the All-Pacific Women's Champion. <laughs> you wouldn't have guessed it. You never know. And she's there against Grizzly Iwamoto and a masked wrestler by the name of Hypercat. Who the hell is Hypercat? Well, if you remember, just a couple episodes ago, back in... Let's see here. Uh, When did that occur? December. So just... December 1989. Yumi Ogura retired <laughs> in an exhibition match against Bull Nakano. Well, here she is as a masked character, <laughs> which is really funny, uh, teaming on this show. I guess they needed her to fill out a card in case of an emergency. Because one thing that All Japan women also did around this time was split the roster, and they do tour. They would do a split tour, get more money, more dates. Uh, more advertisement, uh, because internet and whatnot was much harder back then <laughs> uh, to get the word out, and they just wanted to make more money, and that's how they would uh, that's how they would do it. So I bet you, I would bet you that because of the split roster, they needed an emergency kind of replacement. Like, well, Yubi Ogre retired because of that dumb age rule. Uh, let's just put her in a mask and get her in here. So that's what they did. Hypercats. <laughs> Yeah, Yumi Ogre is back. It's quite funny. You can actually uh, find that match online now. And one thing that the classics totally missed that you will hear in the original audio uh, coming after my little spiel here is on April 30th, there was a show in Chiba. And why the show is important and why it's just kind of missing from records is it's Aja Kong defeating the All-Pacific Champion Nori Tateno to get this title. 
And you can actually uh, find this match free online, uh, Redley Frederick has Daily Motion page. Uh, you can just type in Aja Kong versus Tur- Norio Tateno, All Pacific, and it'll come up. Uh, it's a short, just obliteration of a match. And the idea is to heat up Aja Kong. You know, she has this uh, Medusa Maselli kickboxing match on the May 13th show. Now she's All Pacific Champion. She's uh, uh, currently failed for the 3WA tag titles to date. Uh, get ready for that run. So they're just giving her like all of these accolades, but the one thing that she can't do is defeat Bolnikano. That's that's our story we're building up to. That leads to a huge uh, split involving Gokumento and Jungle Jack. And it's uh, one of the hottest programs that develops into the 90s, and it really, really heats up this company uh, going forward. Which, uh, right now, if you're watching these shows, allegedly Corican Hall's fill- filled out... Uh, I think there's some open spaces, but there's, I keep saying this, there's a shift in their demographic that they're drawing now. Uh, the Crush Gals, uh, a lot of people left with them. And we're, at, we're, also, at the be- we're also at the beginning stages of uh, an economic crisis that's going to hit Japan. But that doesn't happen really for another few years. Uh, so as long as you have a hot company, people show up. Uh, you can look at All Japan, you can look at New Japan. Look at all Japan women here that even though they're not running as as many big stadiums, they're still filling out a lot of the cards uh, that they're able to. So, yeah, May 13th, Bat Yoshinaga kickboxing match, Azakong Medusa kickboxing match. And then uh, the main event, which was the Marine Wolves defending the three WA tag titles against the Fire Jets. So besides Bull and they're trying to heat up Aja Kong to the best they can. Uh, Norio Tateno is about to retire here pretty soon. And uh, they're really downcycling her. I don't agree. I still don't agree with that move, uh, especially if you're struggling with star power and trying to push people. I really think it was uh, it was definitely lost of utilizing Norio Tateno the way they should, especially with how popular she was in the 80s uh, and her international acclaim. Uh, but they're they've really really gotten behind Suzuka Minami and Akira Hokuto uh, going forward. Yumiko Hota and Nishiwaki. Uh, Nishiwaki, they're definitely behind, but there's something brewing in the back, and that's whether it's uh, injuries from Nishiwaki or uh, mental. She can't do it anymore. Whatever the reason might be, uh, she's on her last legs. She's she doesn't have much time left. <laughs> And so, do they build up Hota? Do they pivot away from Nishiwaki to someone else? Well, we'll find out in the coming months uh, what those pivots are. Uh, but in the meantime, you can kind of see really five people that they're trying—they're trying to push, and they like separating the generations to get into more main events. Uh, I have a little discussion with Kay about that when I get these uh, theories and ideas, and. Um, when you look at cards, it kind of backs up those ideas. But uh, definitely Akira Hokuto and Suzuka Minami from that uh, earlier class, along with Bulnakano, seem to be the people they're gravitating towards. All while Minami Toyota and Aja Kong are being pushed as well. Uh, that will do it for this episode. Enjoy the original audio and our, I believe it's like a 30, 38-minute conversation over this very classics episode. And uh, I don't remember if I go into great deal t- detail with the Norio Tateno Kong match, but I hope I do. Enjoy. Check out Redleaf Retrocast proper. 
on all your favorite audio listening platforms. See you next time. All right, Kay, it is time for the retrospective part of the podcast. My favorite part to talk about, besides all the Joshi stuff, of course. Uh, so, I mean, the All Japan stuff is great. Uh, both the men and women All Japan. Today, we continue our 1990 journey throughout this year. It's funny that when... I started this in covering the 80s. I was playing the Minami Toyota music. And now that we're in the 90s, I'm playing the Devil Masami music more. <laughs> I mean, probably should be playing, playing uh, Bull Nakano a little bit more since she's the probably more relevant one at this point. Ah, rabble, rabble, rabble. <laughs> or hey, you just play the NWO Wolfpack because that's totally relevant too. Oh yeah, we'll get, we'll get to uh, Super Brawl 9 here coming up. But first, we got All Japan Women. March 18th. 1990, and May 13th, 1990. Last we left off, Bull Nakano had just won the vacated Red Belt, and this promotion is struggling to catch up to the incredible gap, you could argue, even in the mid-card all the way to the top, and this audience is empty. <laughs> oh yeah, it was really shocking, actually, in, in a weird way. As we went from the the one show with Bull winning the belt and everything, and the crowd—I mean, the crowd wasn't exactly packed in there either. Jeez, it's so weird seeing empty seats after going so long not seeing any empty seats. Yeah, I would be mistaken if I wouldn't plug the All Japan Women Destiny podcast that we just launched with all the old audio being released, along with extra content that uh, that starts out every single episode. Kay, you've joined me on the first at least four episodes at this point in time. Hope to do very, ma uh, very many more. I love talking about all Japan women, especially going backwards and seeing sort of where you started off and kind of going off of that. It's very interesting to see how somebody so new came in, especially because I, when once upon a time, was so new coming in. We're all new to something, and I'm wondering uh, when we get to this point in time, after going through so much of the '90s, what we will have seen and learned from that point forward. The theme of this show, though, uh, from the March and May, we're, ju we're just going straight from January to basically middle of the year uh, in one fail swoop. The theme I noticed, Kay, the changing of attires is starting to make uh, make its rounds. Yeah, it's, um, it's very interesting, especially so going and having on my own podcast, watching the uh, Big Egg Joshi podcast, watching JWP at the same, from the same time frame, how different their attires already kind of were, and it seems like all Japan sort of sees, sees the changing, sort of how things are starting to change in sort of the presentation of wrestlers, and starts to slowly, a bit slower, more slower than JWP, go in that direction. That everyone's kind of got a different look. It's not all speedo, speedo, speedo. Yeah, we still see the onesie speedo attire look. Um, we're we're noticing, we're still noticing some women in the crowd, some cheer sections, um, chanting for a very specific person on this uh, on this particular show. We have also inserted an important match in the history of AJW for this particular episode. 
I'm still uh, so I'm wondering when comes the time when they get super individualistic in attires, because I feel like we're on the brink of that. Maybe when uh, more and more stars start being made and people get pushed to the top. And I'm also wondering when a certain Hokuto. I feel like I've been saying this for forever since 1988 at least. When's Hokuto going to become the dangerous queen? <laughs> I, I feel like we're at least maybe a year or two off from that. As for the attires, I feel like we're going to know once we see Manami Toyota come out and not a black Speedo and comes out in the fucking regal, cool-looking gear that she always wears. That's when I think we'll see the no we'll, the change will start being noticeable. Yeah. We're also seeing the official insertion of MMA into these shows, very much in line with what New Japan was doing around this time. And uh, I believe a couple other promotions as well. It's a very Japanese thing in 1990 yeah. starting. Yeah, JWP did the same thing. It's really weird. I feel like All Japan, uh, All Japan Women's did it at least a little bit before now, but maybe sparingly. Because I remember we watched one prior. It was very, very bad. Uh, it was with Lahota, I think. Yes. It's never good. It always looks really bad, and I dug a little bit of deep, uh, dug a little bit into it, trying to figure out like why the women specifically were doing it, right? Because the men were because they wanted to show it as a martial arts, but why the women felt the need to also go the same route? And as much as the the first reason is um major reason, I feel like the other reason that's sort of slightly um talked about is the fact that they were women, and so this they were seen less than men, even when they were more popular. They weren't getting the acknowledgement, so they felt like if they sort of treated themselves like the same badass level, they would get more acknowledgement. It is the area of the era away. of the large shoulder pads showing more strength. It is that era. Right, it definitely is. So let's not waste any more time here. Bull Nakano and Bison Kimura. Bison making an appearance versus the fire jet duo of Nishiwaki and Yumiko Hota. Notice new moves being tried here, like Hota hitting a sit-out powerbomb. Nishiwaki absolutely whiffing on a top rope dropkick to Bison. I howled with laughter. I have finally decided Nishiwaki is not a good wrestler. <laughs> I feel like they've also decided that, too, given how well she was booked in this match to pretty much just take a beating and do practically nothing. Yeah. Nishiwaki whiffs a crossbody as well in this match, led directly to Bull on the top rope on the other side of the ring, doing a leg drop. She jumped halfway across this thing. It is insane. And nails it to pin, you guessed it, Nishiwaki. I think it's safe to say Nishiwaki is super done at this point. It's really done, I think. it's. I have never seen a wrestler miss a crossbody. Well, I think it was a crossbody she did. It's wide as she did it. Like I believe it was Bull, right? It was Bull or Bison was standing in like the middle where you would normally land it, right? And she just went all the way to the rope. Shocking. I don't know how you missed that badly. I mean, it played into the finish. What I was noticing was she just missed the crossbody, and then she was just down for the count, and she was there just forever waiting for Bull Nakano to to make that leap. It's pretty, it's pretty wild stuff. Nishiwaki is. Uh, it's unfortunate they gave her a try. Obviously, didn't work. We're kind of seeing her kind of eat some pins here to get other people over. I think it's also worth noting, Kay, that I'm wondering when we start seeing the introduction of the more Western style 
into the go 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 style so you start seeing things like finishers uh more individualism in wrestlers move sets i wanna i wanna say and don't entirely quote me on this i wanna say we're gonna start seeing that about maybe 93 94 is when we probably start seeing that it's from the time of big egg and all the other stuff when those become when finishers and sort of having your own bombastic entrance song and entrance attires and when those become more of a prominent thing for the big stars. Right, right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the the shift in presentation, both in-ring and out, uh, and physically, for a lot of the wrestlers. And uh, I think that's why a lot of people, when they go back and watch All Japan women, uh, they kind of pretty much just stick to those years, and they don't go this quite this far back. But there is some still really good matches, uh, even without the extra... Uh, additives, if you will. So, Bolt Nakano and Bison Kimura, they are on the same page, and they crush the Fire Jets. Next match is the three WA tag titles on the line. The champions, Marine Wolves, Suzuka, Manami, and our girl Hokuto, taking on the team called Mint Showers. That's the team yeah. of Etsuko, Mita, and Manami Toyota. A very short-lived team. It's it's sort of weird how the how uh, Toyota, Shimoda, um, Su- Manami Suzuka, and Yamada would kind of pass around each other in different teams, almost like they were trying to figure things out with them. Oh, they absolutely this were. Team, I had no idea. I had no idea this team existed. Yeah, this is when I kind of noticed. Could this be the start of the new fresh gear starting in AJW? Here we see Hokuto and Suzuka wearing what I can best describe as pro-cycling singlets, colored in black and yellow, along with uh, the straight matte pro-wrestling su- shoes. They're, they're, uh, they're separating themselves from looking like everyone else. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's a very noticeable thing. They pop out, definitely. They come off as bigger stars as a result. Oh, yeah. The funny moment here in this match, <laughs> see a theme of what I've been uh, focusing on, is Mita coming off the ropes and doing the funniest looking short jabs like a rocket sockum robot to Suzuka's stomach. Really funny stuff. Uh, fall one is Suka, uh, Suzuka hitting a backdrop driver to Mita, so it's just business here as usual. I must mention Toyota's left shoulder is heavily taped, and basically her arm is wrapped to her chest at first that does become more and more loose. So, uh, nursing an injury here. Uh, so she's wrestling this match with one arm, still hitting those ropes hard and hitting those front drop kicks. Right. I think, uh, I don't know if we touched on it here, if we touched on it on it on the, um, all Japan destiny stuff, but the, the idea that if you took time off, you lost your spot. This right here, I think is a perfect sort of summation of that, given how uncertain everything was at the time. And since they were trying to find new stars, and if you took any time off while they were trying to build you up at any point, you would just be lost in the shuffle once you came back. Yeah, I was also begging the question, the level of fighting through injury uh, from that risk of losing your spot. Could this, ha- could this have been her running an angle? Sure. Can't totally discount that. But I, knowing, knowing what we know now in the history of the promotion and what was going on, I don't discount the possibility, nonetheless, of due to just this culture uh, coming into play here. So after a miscommunication yeah. spot from the Marine Wolves, Toyota get Toyota gets the hot tag and rolls up Hokuto, which I found very interesting. Right, right. Um, I 
I feel like if this is when we start seeing the smaller push up of Manami because they, I think they were high on her from the get-go with her t uh, Tokyo Sweethearts. They kind of left a lasting impression. They thought they were the next JBA. Uh, they weren't. Spoiler. Uh, at this point, we kind of already know that anyways. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're trying They're um, trying something uh, clearly different, sticking her with other people, uh, trying to get her more over. You can tell that she's, she's being very much helped up the card in various ways. Uh, absolutely. And getting a pin on Hokuto, whom has become a... Uh, who's quickly becoming a crowd favorite. You can really tell how the crowd reacts to Hokuto hitting the ring. But she's also been around a little bit longer than a lot of these people. And same thing with Suzuka Minami. Uh, we'll get to her more in a, in a second here. Yeah, um, with Suzuka, it always made me wonder why they didn't push her more. I feel like we'll probably see that eventually, why they didn't push her more. But looking back on it, she popular but didn't seem to get the same sort of attention that Hokuto and others were going to get at some point later on yeah yeah exactly uh, I did notice there was a cheering section specifically for Mita here on this day uh, but we'll move on to the third fall which is super fucking fun Toyota is on fire doing moves that we've never seen before so you can kind of tell uh, what her appeal is Hokuto is looking very strong herself. This is the best Hokuto has looked since before she broke her neck those years ago at this point. Obvious spots like Germans avoiding landing on Toyota's uh, hurt shoulder. She, they're actually angling her, so she lands only on her other shoulder. So that kind of also gets me to uh, uh, headcanon at the very least that she is actually hurt. Otherwise, they would, well, target it. You know what I mean? Right. But this match was fun. Hokuto locks in a crazy Boston Crab. She bends all the way back on Toyota for the submission. Just looks super brutal. Uh, big post-match angle here between all four women. After every passionate phrase, they throw the micro microphone so hard down on the on the mat. I, I really laughed at it all. <laughs> That's, um, I think it was like an angle because... Uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but one of the wrestlers was hurt, and they had to relinquish the tag belts. I think that was what it was. Uh, Dream Orca, right? Dream Orca was the tag team champions before, remember? Uh, at some yeah. point, yeah, but in, in the meantime, Marine Wolves have captured the tag titles before this match. Right, but I, I think that they were running an angle where they had to the, vacate them, because it wasn't the one that came in the ring on the crutches. She was part of Dream Orca. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I I'm yeah. working on her name. Um, but I think that was the whole angle of the running that um, Hokuto, or yeah, Hokuto sort of left her to the side to team with somebody else and become champion and stuff like that. I think that was sort of the story I felt like they were going with. I was very confused because I didn't know that they had vacated the belts from injury. At least that's what I assumed this was because she was on crutches and everything. Or she lost, time. or she lost her spot to challenge, and the people that replaced her in uh, Mita or Toyota, whomever that. Well, I think Yamada's injured, actually. Oh yeah, right, right, Yamada, Yamada. Yeah. So, and then Toyota has failed to capture the titles with a new partner. Right. Forgive me. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head some of this. Yeah. Because I remember it was an angle they were running with an injury, so I was just curious to what was going on with all that. Well, they failed nonetheless. Hokuto and Suzuka Minami looking strong in this match and getting a little bit more over, I feel. More on these two later. 
But first, Brian. we ki- we get out of the classics here into a match I had to find via the tape trading. April 30th, 1990, all-Pacific title match. Aja Kong taking on the white belt champion Norio Tateno. Now, I put out a feeler on the Reddit and the like uh, to see if anyone else knew of the tape possibility of Bull Nakano and Norio Tateno, the match where Norio Tateno defeated Bull Nakano for the title. And the theory is, obviously, the tape is totally lost to time, but it was also on a show smaller than a Cork and Hall show. And the fact that Bull Nakano likely got herself DQ'd to lose the title so she can go on and move, uh, uh, win the red one, which that's kind of the consensus on how that went down, which begs the, which begs the question for me, why you got to do Titano like that? Why you got to hurt my soul? <laughs> well, it makes sense because you wanted, they were going to push Bull up the card, so you don't want her to eat a pin to Titano, who at this point I think they clearly weren't seeing as the next big star. Oh, God, no, because this match was a good example of that. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I, I, know, I know you love yourself some some Tateno, and I like Tateno as well. But no, they they didn't see her anywhere there, and it's unfortunate because I think she was actually pretty good. And at this point, they probably needed somebody like her, but I guess they didn't want to use her. They wanted to try to push up younger people. I have no idea. I look. I don't. I I don't discount the need to push young talent at this point in time in AJW, but my God, they they have, and I I feel I feel like I've been saying this for in AJW recap terms over the past year of this promotion that utilizing Tateno the way they have is a gross, uh, uh, not miscommunication, but uh, a gross oversight. Yeah, it it was, it was, it's quite a blunder because um, I get what they were going for here. They wanted to make Aja Kong uh, move up from essentially the, the undercard rookie status, if you will to a bigger star with beating Tateno, the 80s stalwart that she was. And uh, and you can kind of, at least I got the feeling, Kay, watching this match. And you can find this match on the Daily Motion page, Red Leaf Retrocast. It's been posted there. That the crowd also is at the point where they know Tateno's retiring soon and they haven't treated her all that well. And Aja Kong got a very, mm, I don't want to say mute reaction, but it definitely wasn't as heated as one might think. Uh, The match was made to get Kong over, and it's not as one-sided as it seems on the surface, but damn if it wasn't made to make Kong on this night. Tateno does the Tateno special, aka her crossbody to the floor crash and burn spot. (laughs) Uh, Kong parades her around the outside of the ring, busts her open hard way uh, on the table. Um, I believe Chigusa Nagayo was right there next to her to kind of give that little visual rub, if you will. <laughs> they always, yeah, yeah, to, to, to coin a phrase. You're in the same shot as a real star. <laughs> so oh, therefore, therefore it, it, uh, it gets you over more by osmosis. <laughs> it's a term so I've just been seeing so much of lately. Disparaging. <laughs> as for um, Aja Kong, to before we move on even more, um, as for Aja Kong's reaction and why she didn't get the heated heel reaction, uh, I want to say it's uh, a two-part thing, like a two-fold thing. I think is one, she's been pushed up the card way quicker, so she hasn't fully established the 
Bolicano heal stuff. Because remember, Bulls was of a slow burn, right? We've been seeing Bull do this stuff for at least a year or two, three at this point, right? And with Aja, we didn't see any of that. She just almost recently at this point changed her name. Um, oh, um, yeah. It, it wasn't uh, too long yeah. ago where she just started uh, kind of breaking out on her own. So, yeah, this is really fast. And I feel like I have to bring up a hard question here. And there is a history to it is she is half race. And there is a history in Japan of, of pushback on that. Could so, th could that yeah I I I I feel like it's a tough subject to bring up, but it shouldn't be ignored that possibly much of the audience wasn't a fan of that, and there is a fan there is a history in Japan of of uh, half half raced uh, people um, not fitting in. If if so, uh, I can I can be very loose about it, I guess. In a in a, in a right, so coining phrases, it's it's funny that you brought that up because it's very relevant to Aja Kong, especially in her AJW time. Um, it wasn't just fan reaction and why it was so easy for them to boo her as well as a heel. Though mm -hmm. she did eventually win people over, people did eventually ignore that and like her. Um, I think that became a vocal minority as we went throughout the nineties. Right. But at this point, it was very much. It wasn't even just the the crowds. It was even backstage people. Um, she would say in a uh, Japanese interview that I had to get translated precisely given the, the nature of it when I was doing my um, episode on her. Right. She was starting at RCN. She wanted it to be a place where anybody could be there, be it if you're not if you're a full Japanese or a halfu or a foreigner or anything like that, because apparently also some foreigners weren't treated so well backstage as well. Oh, absolutely. Well, just just not being... Matusko, you're actually getting much of a... You're, you're not getting much love backstage or much assistance like if you needed somebody to go get you some tape for like your arm or shoulder you need to go find it yourself or find somebody that was willing to help you because most of the staff didn't care right unless you, again like your name is medusa or you came from the if they didn't give a fuck because at that point they kind of have to do something right even if they don't like to it was and this is also like 80s 90s japan so this stuff is like very very much prevalent uh it, these days it's prevalent more in the older generation from what i've gathered um, but it's very much why when she started RC and she wanted to bring in people like Ayaka Hamada, somebody who's um, not even Japanese. Mexican, yeah. Yeah, that she wanted to bring her in. She trained her and everything. It's, and why um, Awesome Kong came through there. Uh, yeah, why she came through there and stuff like that, like a, a black woman, stuff like that, which was not seen mostly in the Joshi scene. Like the black women did not wrestle much in Joshi at all because they didn't want them there. It was crazy that she got opportunities like that. Like, for the feelings that RCN was, Aja Kong tried to make that a place where anybody could be. And I feel like her time, especially this early on, very much contributed to that. So I guess we'll start seeing Aja Kong whoop some ass and win people over from this point forward. At least, at least you and IK can have a lot of fun watching her backfist people to the top. <laughs> I love Aja Kong. Even now, grandma, cookie baking, backfisting Aja Kong. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, two kickboxing matches follow this. Bat Yoshinaga whoops some ass, whatever. It was junk. Aja Kong versus Medusa uh, followed that. That This went on forever. Medusa's whole... This is another another phase of Medusa coming in 
to try to get the next star over. This seems to be a, uh, uh, a part of the playbook that AJW likes using. Uh, you did mention Medusa is kind of the only one with respect, I guess, <laughs> because they have to. So they used her to right. essentially shoot kickbox fight Aja Kong to make Aja Kong look super strong. The problem is Aja Kong is uh, not very mobile and... <laughs> not a shoot fighter! <laughs> she is not a shoot fighter, while Medusa clearly has trained some in boxing or kickboxing, none the least. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a mess. Can we just skip this? Part of these, the I think I want to say one thing about these. The worst part of these is how much of a sham they all are. Um, Aja Kong, if Medusa wanted to, at several points, could have just gotten dropped and the match would have ended. But because they don't want to do that, and because the object of it isn't for Medusa to win, she had to pull punches and the ref had to get involved. And it's, These things are a joke, and I hate them every time I see them. We saw the same thing with Hoto, where she was clearly getting her ass kicked by in a kickboxing match because somebody was much smaller than her. But the ref had to keep stepping in and letting Aja Kong or um, Hota grab their head and put them in a headlock and stuff like stuff that's not MMA kickboxing stuff. Yeah, just always resorting to the clinch like they do in boxing. So, anyways, main evento, three WA tag titles on the line. The Marine Wolves are back, and they're taking on the Fire Jets, a uh, big rivalry at this point in time uh, over the course of the few years. Uh, Still May 13th, 1990. Uh, We're out of the March through April. So here we have a yet another noticeable gear change. Suzuka has dropped the cycler gear for a slick black and white singlet with cute little ties around the neck and chest area, while Hokuto is still sporting the heavy 80s perm with cycle gear. Little, a little bit more individualistic for Hokuto as well. Nishiwaki has her green ties around her neck. Uh, and um, I'm sorry, uh green uh with frills while hota is sticking with the crush gals look so everyone sticks out uh this is the same outfit nishiwaki wore when she got whooped by bolnikano for the red title <laughs> it's uh it's funny because i looked at this and after watching cutie suzuki have a very similar outfit like huh i wonder where they got the idea from right uh the, those people in jwp seem to be uh getting a little bit more over and they're like hell well, that's a good idea but, Especially um, one Cutie Suzuki at this point, because she's uh, very much considered a, a very attractive, popular young woman, and they want to copy that style. Right. Nishiwaki pins Suzuki, or Minami Suzuka, with uh, Fisherman Suplex after a hot start. Fair enough. Basically, the match continues at this hot pace, and the crowd is way behind the Marine Wolves here. I have This is the biggest reaction I have heard from the Marine Wolves ever in their existence. And noticeably... Manami Suzuka was getting the heaviest of cheers. Yeah, Very interesting. Like I said, it's weird that they never did more with her. I'm just wondering if maybe we're going to see why that is later on. Seeing her reaction now and, and looking up a little bit and seeing that she was, at one point, pretty popular with the with their crowds. I wonder why they just never did much with her. Oh, just you be patient, Kay. I know something that they do do with Manami Suzuka, and I haven't seen it, but I have read about uh, what happens. Ooh, I, th- I think I know what you're talking about. So we're going to start seeing some uh, some Marine Wolves pushes in the future. Always pay attention to those crowd reactions when you watch these things um, chronologically. It gives you a lot of context to certain matches and where, where they were, which, side note, 
Yumiko Hota, Miss always making the finals and getting weird pushes and then backpedaling four steps backwards for a while, never got crowd reaction. Always, no. always strange why they kept uh, making her the the pin eater in in big matches. Anyways, well, I think it's a lot to do with that. They don't want the the, the fans of Chigusa don't want Kmart Chigusa. They want Chigusa. Here's Kmart. a here's a side thought. Is it possible that because Hota had the ki- had the um, had the clear kind of kickboxing background, the Chigusa looked to her that maybe management and even Nagai or Stealth, because she's still sticking around for all intents and purposes at this point. They clearly, I think, have a hope that she's the next Chigusa Nagayo. Uh, management definitely wanted that. Clearly yeah. why they keep pushing her. As for Chigusa, I don't know how much input she even had at this point. Um, I think Yakota was was on commentary prior to her, but Yakota was also in the dojo training people. I don't know what Chigusa's doing at this point. So well, I'm as soon as Chigusa maybe... retired, they threw they stuck her on commentary, and we haven't seen right. Yakota since. Right, right. That's there's a good reason for that because Chigusa brings in the sales, and they needed that. Um, but I don't know if Chigusa had any at all involvement in the management or anything. I, I'd imagine, given the time, she probably had zero management involvement. Given you know, nowadays, we see the management, you know, the top wrestler will get involved a little bit sometimes. Back then in Joshi, I don't think it was so prevalent. Or at least at this point, I don't think it was so prevalent. All right, Suzuka clearly gaining steam with at least the women in the crowd is what I noticed, and then Hokuto gets hot tagged to mad crowd reactions. So th- this Marine, te- this Marine Wolves team, they're going places. Uh, Suzuka Okada, Suzuka Okada rolls Hota for pinfall two, and this is when the the match just goes. They 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 pick up the business here. Stereo dives to the outside on a pile of people from the Marine Wolves, inspiring AEW wrestlers decades later. <laughs> just killing the business <laughs> in 1990 here. Hokuto reverses Fuck out it. of the Nishiwaki flipping powerbomb into a sit-out roll-up to retain the titles. Kay, I thought this match was super fun. It's, it's. Uh, I think it's my uh, 1990 match of the year at this point in time. <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed it a lot as well. Uh, I think this is Hokuto's best performance in attack match that I've seen because... <laughs> Oh, um, I've never been a fan of hers, and, and like the last time we saw her, where she was just kind of weirdly almost shooting on people in a weird way. Um, this match was much, much better. Again, she gets no reaction. It's noticed whenever she gets tagged in, the crowd just stays silent. They go from reacting to no reacting. I think her being the next Shikusa, I, I should have mentioned this while we had that conversation, I think her being the, the portrayed as the next Shikusa probably hurt her more than it helped her. Yeah, maybe pushing her before she's ready, putting her in the big spotlight, whatever. I mean, we've noticed on some of these compilation DVDs that I have that uh, you got the Crush Gals singing before shows, but we also see the Fire Jets also doing that quite a lot. (laughs) Right. Well, I think what hurt her more, is it because she wasn't ready? I think it's, um, you can't replace Michael Jordan, right? Everyone likes Michael Jordan, but the next guy... What are you talking about? LeBron James exists. Michael Jordan. (laughs) He's not Michael Jordan. That's why the conversation's always, the discourse is always divided, right? (laughs) You can't replace the icon, and at this point, Chikusa is the icon, so... Well, you gotta bring Sting into this for. (laughs) Hota Hota is just, uh... 
Sosa is just a wannabe, the knockoff. Oh, the harsh fans, words, Kay. Harsh words. The fans, the fans of Chikusa de Gallo probably <laughs> didn't want the knockoff version of Chikusa de Gallo. All they right, I guess that's a fair statement. <laughs> so that probably hurt her a lot more than it, whatever her in-ring skills were. Well, the Marine Wolves were super fun to watch on the show. It's uh, definitely going to be fun watching what they do as we go through. I think this is our first kind of winner show of AJW since probably late 88 at this point. Yeah, it's 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 kind of weird that that's been the trend, right? Yeah. Get those new stars over. I'm begging you. <laughs> 